Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. So we're in the seven deadly sins, and gluttony is an interesting one, because it's one of those sins where people hardly ever talk about and where you hardly ever think that you're guilty of. I mean, when you think about greed and when you think about lust or wrath, we all kind of know and recognize those things in our society. And it's like, man, those things are bad and other people do those things. But how many times or how many oftentimes do you think I'm being gluttonous and this is wrong? And even when we do actually think that we are being gluttonous or experiencing gluttony, we never group it as seriously as other sins. But it's very interesting. When Paul writes to the different churches and he writes in his letters, he always groups things like sexual immorality or being drunk together with gluttony. And it's like those who practice these things will never enter the kingdom of God. And so Paul is incredibly serious about this subject. And obviously the early church fathers were thinking about something because they decided to include gluttony as one of the seven deadly sins, one of those sins that can easily give rise to other sins in your life. However, it's difficult. What I could have done, we could have just had a sermon, go to the different verses, show how this is wrong, show what the gospel is, the counter virtue, and bring it to you guys in that format, which is always good. But what we wanted to do this morning is give something more powerful, is to show how people have wrestled not just with the issue of gluttony but with being spiritually fulfilled by the gospel and allowing the gospel to control their lives and how that has played out practically and so even as Zane prayed what we want to do is invite different people and get their different practical life points on how they've experienced this and so uh, just to say this is a very good disclaimer it was very difficult to approach these people on a subject of gluttony, they're like, so what are you saying about me? <laughs> you want me to speak on this subject? And so that's why I'm putting all the disclaimers in the beginning. I'm not saying in any regards that they are more or gluttonous than anyone else at this stage. However, um, as we've walked and journeyed the road together, I know that they've got an interesting take on this subject. And so I'm going to invite up our panelists for this morning. We're going to have a panel discussion, some Q&A. Pinky, you can come up. Janine, my wife, can come up. And Kiara Bilwe, you can come up as well. And you guys can grab a seat. Yes, welcome our panelists. This is fun. They're going to do the preaching this morning. I'm just going to be the one asking the questions. Um, so we're, we're not really sure how this is going to play out, but it's going to be fun. So guys, welcome firstly. And before we dive into the meaty stuff, I I'm, I'm, can see Pinky is anxious to get her preaching on. Uh, but before we get into the preaching stuff, in 30 seconds, kind of introduce yourself, um, you know, who you are, where you're involved with, and kind of just what's your deal. How about we start with Pinky on that side to give Kia kind of a breather. Uh, good morning, church. Um, so my name is Pinky Mugwena, born and bred in Pretoria, but I currently stay in the Northwest with my great-grandmother. Um, I am an environmental scientist, and a radio broadcaster, among other things. Sure, great. <laughs> I'm Rain, uh, grew up in Nelspruit in Mpumalanga, 
Um, we, but this is home now, married to Reinhardt. Um, I'm an educational psychologist by trade, but I'm just putting that on hold for a bit and doing some intense discipling of two young humans, and um, that's it. Um, good morning, family. My name is Kiarabi Lue. Yes, it is a sentence. Translated. <laughs> yeah, it translates. I've been answered. Um, born in Pretoria, currently studying LLB at University of Pretoria. I always find when I pronounce your name, I've got to say it slower. You know, in Afrikaans context, you just want to blurt it out. I've got Kiarabilwe. Okay, I've got to just slow it down. Okay. Um, guys, let's maybe form the discussion before we dive into what the Bible says about this. So, maybe in kind of your own experience, uh, what would you guys say is gluttony? How can we define gluttony? What, what is it when we talk about that? Maybe in a worldly perspective, what have you come across when people talk about gluttony? What do they typically refer to? And, and anyone can dive, uh, jump in. I'll voluntarily dive in. Um, I would say gluttony, my initial um, hearing of the word was in light of food. If somebody has had dinner, they have seconds, they have thirds and fourths. And I'm like, you're a glutton. Um, so that was the initial context. But as I thought about it this week, I'd say um, gluttony is overindulgence in anything. Good. So we're going to struggle to expand on that. Uh, yeah? Yeah, I think I, I agree with Pinky. It's most often associated with food, but I think it's indulging in food but also other things in order to satisfy a need some need that you have um, and in that regard it can also be restriction of food because you have a need of acceptance from yourself and other people uh, in how you look and so you're looking to food to fill a need like that or even the restriction of food that's kind of playing into that yeah, I think it's indulging in something to fill a need that only Jesus is supposed to fill. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Because I think, I think our definition has been very narrow in the past where only a certain person can be a glutton. Let's say someone that we would typically refer to as being obese. And we would say, obviously that person is a glutton. Um, but, you know, the person that just eats a lot and then exercises a lot, you know, to burn off the food, he's not a glutton. You know, uh, uh, and so our definitions have been very narrow in that sense. Yeah, anything else to add to that? Great. So maybe share some of the ways that you guys have encountered this. So you've kind of defined this. Where have you seen it play out, either in your own life or maybe in other people that you've come across and discipled? Yeah, I know that you've got a lot of people that actually come to you for advice on how to live healthier lifestyles and, and things like that. But where have you seen this manifest in kind of just society, gluttony? Um, okay, so um, I would say that, um, how do I put this? Okay, so, <laughs> so um, first of all, growing up in um, the um, unprovisioned um, yeah, communities, um, maybe let's say when going to school, for example, when you know that you're having food at lunchtime, yeah. there will be so many people because... Um, Maybe, I don't know if I should say they are hopeless or maybe they um, do not trust God enough to feed them tomorrow and stuff. And mm. they, they'll just, by all means, 
try to eat as much as they can just to sure. make sure that they fill themselves even for other days and and everything so it's like they're trying to just fulfill that need in themselves and yeah that's one of the ways i'd say i've seen it played out so that's good and, yeah great any other places that you guys have experienced or maybe seen within yourselves that it plays out lot in myself <laughs> um, I'll talk about that I think it's easy to to look at what other people are doing wrong without seeing ourselves um, but so I'm an only child I'm an only child of an only child so like three long lines of only child and I've always felt like this and oh the two generations in the middle of my family tree passed away and some of them passed away young and so I've always felt like it's my duty to live their lives for them so, um, for example, this is me just being plain out, guys. Mm. Um, my mom, who also passed away, was a radio DJ. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a radio DJ. And then her mom, who also passed away, was like a pageant queen, you know, Miss Whatnot. Um, <laughs> and so at some point in my journey, I did that. But my point and how it ties in with gluttony is I've seen it in myself, this, oh my gosh, death is so close, like, do wow. it all as quickly as possible. Um, and so, and these are things that the world compliments, right? They're like, yeah, yeah. Miss Earth South Africa, radio DJ, that, and the world compliments that. And so in a way, I feel like the world encourages um, our gluttony on some point. I did a personality test a couple of years ago um, called the Enneagram. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but um, there's this number, it's called seven, um, enthusiastic visionary. And it was pointed out in that personality test that like people with my personality type, our, our thing is, our motivation is like seek as much pleasure as possible. Um, wow. So we're pleasure seekers, we're gluttons, actually. That's the vice um, of the wow. personality type. And the thing is, these are not bad things, right? Like these are incredible overachiever. That's what the world calls you. Like, ah, look at this superstar. This, um, but I realized like in hindsight that those were my pleasure-seeking moments. That is how I evaded my own pain, my own, you know, origin story and whatnot. So I think, personally, I've seen my own gluttony like that. And I, I asked you, are you asking me to do this because you think I'm a glutton? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Great. I, once I was sharing with a, a woman about struggles with food and weight and stuff, and she said, yeah, it's such a white girl problem that you guys struggle with. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think it's a white girl problem. I don't think it's a girl problem. That's I think good. it's a person problem. Mm. Um, but in my own life, I've realized as I've gotten older how there's layers of lies that I think Satan has fed me. Like one day I realized as I was putting food on my plate, there's a lie I believe if I can't eat as much as I can, I'm not going to enjoy it. There's Yo. like a lot, there's layers of lies that I believe in terms of food. Yeah. Um, and I think food is an easy one because it can satisfy a broad range of things. If I'm tired or I'm anxious or I'm uh, annoyed, I can just go to food and there's like a hormonal pleasure that it gives. So I think that's why we often run to food. There's a reason why they call it comfort food, isn't it? I mean, there's, uh, it's like it's in the name. So, so that's been some of your experiences. Um, just thinking what you guys think gives rise to gluttony. Why do some people go and, and, and they like turn to that? You've already touched on it. There's some of it like, man, that's the way that I grew up. Um, you, you know, didn't have a lot of food, and so 
when you have the opportunity, you've got to eat, and that kind of created a habit. Uh, maybe there's an emotional need, maybe there's trauma, but what are some of the things that you guys, maybe something else that you've experienced that gives rise to gluttony? Um, so my side, I would say, um, I used to be a very skinny person, and I've always wanted to gain weight. So I told myself that if I eat a lot each and every time, um, I'd be able to gain weight. And sure. since then, I kind of developed the habit as time went by of eating a lot, of eating a lot. And then fast forward to even after I've gained the weight that I wanted to, I just cannot like, switch it off and just wow. stop and go so back that to... that pattern was So formed. that pattern, yeah, formed and everything. So, yeah. Yo, that's good. Um, I would say mine was and this is rehearsed, I always use this line, so it's going to sound profound. <laughs> um, but like, um, my sin was an attempt to fly away from emptiness. Um, the emptiness of loss, obviously, like you've lost family. There's grief in that as well. There's a, God, you really hurt me, and I don't, I don't think you can look after me. So I'm going to do as much as I can to make sure I set myself right. Like, yeah. I'm not going to need you. Um, and so like, before I knew Christ, I think that's how I lived. And even after like, I met Christ, it's still a struggle now um, to just be like, chill. Like, the word for the season for me now is be still. Like, just relax. Wow. Like, don't, don't, because I did competitions. I did this. I did poetry. I did music. I did everything. And I think that was just a fear of sitting with self. Because um, what are you going to find there? It's scary. Mm. That's good. I think... We struggle with lighting. It's mainly a spiritual problem. Obviously, like our spirit, our emotions, our body, all of, all of it's intertwined and every part is broken. Yeah. But often as human beings and often as Christians as well, we run to the physical part to fix that. We try and fix it wow. from there or we try and fix the emotional part. And you, in my opinion, even as a psychologist, like most things are spiritual. Like yeah. there's a spiritual brokenness. And I think... We don't acknowledge that. We don't acknowledge to start there, to mm. try and... Because we, we it's like we have this hole, a black hole, and we're trying to constantly fill it, but we, we don't run to Jesus to fill that. Mm. That's good. So let's, let's bring the Bible into the conversation. I mean, that's exactly what 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul says, um, may the Spirit sanctify you wholly according to spirit, soul, and body. And so he kind of touches on it and says, you know, this is what the sanctifying work of the gospel should do. It should actually penetrate and infiltrate every area of our lives. And even in this passage today, we see that Jesus was teaching just context for John chapter 6. Uh, the thing that happened the day before this was Jesus feeding the 5,000. And so the next day, they look for him. They find him and when they find him, Jesus tells them, let me just get uh, the verse in verse 26, and Jesus answered them saying, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man will give, which the Son of Man will give to you. So, what does the Bible say about gluttony? Even before we get to the gospel, just in the sense of, man, wh why would we not want to give into gluttony? What, why is this something that we actually shouldn't give into? Is, isn't it just a superficial sin? What is the sin behind the sin? Well, 
why is this something that we actually do want to make be serious about? Um, so for the past, um, I don't know how long I've been reading the book of Genesis, and as soon as um, I had Krenka telling me about <laughs> this whole thing, and I didn't know the word gluttony actually, so I went wow. to Google and I googled it, and I saw the definition of it, and I actually started um, getting a bit scared off because. I then realized that um, actually one of the reasons why the world fell short of sin as a whole was because of Adam and Eve wow. fell for its, right. its, its gluttony because they, they just, despite God having yeah, told them everything, they just wanted that's to. So and <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Bringing in deep biblical theology there, Kia. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we see it even with Jacob and Esau. Uh, you know, Esau selling his birthright, you know, because of the, what do, what do you call that soup in English? I only know lentil soup. Lentil stew? Yeah, because of the lentil stew. And so there's something within there. We actually, if you go read up on it, you see the golden thread throughout the Bible. And, um, so, and, and here's the interesting thing. When we talk about gluttony and uh, this is probably why Paul always uses it in conjunction with not being drunk and not being filled with wine. And so in Ephesians, Paul speaks about, he says, um, do not be controlled by wine, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the inference that Paul is making there is that there's a way in which we can be controlled by substances, or there should be a way by which, especially Christians, should be controlled by the Spirit of God. And the thing which is the sin behind the sin when we get to gluttony is the fact that we allow other desires and other controls or other things to control us and hold sway over us rather than the gospel and rather than Jesus Christ. And so it's almost this double-edged sword when you come to gluttony. So yes, there's a sin, there's a sense in which we actually look towards other things to fill our desires. But then in the very real second sense is that we are being controlled by other things rather than being controlled by the Spirit. So the big question then for all of us is, and how you guys have seen it personally in your own lives, how, how does the gospel speak into this? What answers does the gospel give? Because you give advice to people and being fit and eating well. I mean, I'm sure that people struggle with actually doing it and struggle to actually keep going at it we see that discipline can bring you so far but it always falls short because even the exercise then can become something that i actually become addicted to and so we we take gluttony and we just replace it with the next thing that we believe can fill us and so how does the gospel speak into this situation i, I can put janine on the spot but pinky otherwise you can go you know, kind of as, we, as we're thinking about Jesus being that bread of life and Jesus using, very interesting, the illustration of food and bringing himself as the gospel. Yeah, so food has been, right now, it's like a, a big thing in my life. So when I was very young, like Satan got a hold of me, like by one comment that my grandma made about my weight. And then it was years and years of struggling with an eating disorder, like bulimia. And like, it's been layers and layers of lies that Jesus had just had to strip down. And I like 
from there till now, I'm so amazed at how he's personally so involved in each of it. And he wants, wow. he wants to help me. Um, and even like this week, I was thinking, oh no, like summer's coming up, got to get that body right for the <laughs> beach and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, I really, like the Holy Spirit was so adamant, like I felt him saying, I don't want you to just fix your body now. I want to fix this, this, th- this, this deeper spiritual need. Let's work on that. Don't just focus on getting to that weight now. It's wow. a bigger thing. Um, and it's a prison. It's a prison. Like my grandma loved Jesus so much. And she's with him now. But she, up until the day that she ju- died, she struggled with this prison that she was in. When she would meet someone, like she'd look them up and down, look at herself like in the mirror. Like I'd see her. I'm like, Grandma, you're old. Like, <laughs> but it was, and she, she hears me now and she's free now. But we don't need to live in this prison. Wow. In, on earth, like as Christians, we compartmentalize our life. We can be free in, in some areas, but in some areas we're not. Wow. And, and, and unless we give that over to Jesus as well, like Paul speaks about for freedom, we have been set free. Like what, like he's speaking about the areas that we haven't yep. submitted to Jesus yet. And food and eating is such a big thing, yeah. I think. And we need to speak about it more openly. Brilliant. Um, I think in, in my struggle, which is still kind of a struggle, like every day I need to be like, no, we're sitting still today. Um, but that came with surrender and it didn't come easy because I've been a Christian for a very long time, but I never really wanted to let go of this successful, I'm going to do it all black girl magic vibes. <laughs> um, so that, that came about, like I think it was two, three years ago, I read Romans more deeply, and I heard of Paul's like credentials. I was moved. I was like, yo, this guy. And then he says, I consider it all nothing for the sake of the gospel. And I was like, that's a lot. It felt like an attack um, when I read that. But it just kept coming to me. And um, I also just felt like the Holy Spirit was nudging me to surrender. Um, What will happen if you, for example, both, both lanes of like get to the very top of the ladder that you think you should get to, what do you think is going to happen? The thing with these things is that it's never enough. This is going to be you for the rest of your life chasing after the wow. wind. And then you get there and it's over. And then Solomon goes on with vanity of all vanities. All is vanity. And then that just also set me right. Um, but also the inverse was like, what do you think would happen if you would surrender this to me? Um, I'm not sure. Like, I feel like I'd be a loser, Jesus. Like, people would really see me for who I am. And, like, who's going to stay? Like, the point of all of this was to, um, yes, escape emptiness, but through, like, filling it up so much that, like, people wanted to stay. I just, mm. like, it's been a struggle of, like, no one ever stays. And I don't, I don't get that. Mm. Um, and so I was like, I'll just, you know, collect my own treasures like that shell in Moana that's glittering and gorgeous, but it can't go anywhere. You're still isolated. Um, so it was really, and it still is surrender on a, on a daily basis. Um, it still comes at you like some competition, some things that you know you're really good at, like you've practiced, you've got this, and also the medals and the trophies, like we don't have space anymore. So like you need to decide what works. And what I've seen helps is just like 
saying yes to, and this is my definition of it, and I, I think I've said this to Yanin one time, saying yes to being a loser for the gospel. Like, if that's mm. what it means, like, then, ah, guys, I'm nothing, but I love Jesus, and I want to share him with you. That's it. Like, that's all I can offer. Um, and it's been liberating, mm. I think, the gospel in that way. Um, and, you know, God gives that one peace that transcends all understanding, but joy, like the thing that you have been actually seeking, pleasure doesn't give that. Like it's only mom- momentary, and then joy just comes, and like it just fills you, and yeah. Mm. That's good. On what Pinky was saying, I think it's helpful to follow that thought pattern sometimes to get to the root at what where Satan has built these lies into. Because I remember, like, oh, I irritated Reinhardt. Like, I was like, this year I'm going to lose this weight. Like, I would, like, always have this spiel at the beginning of the year. And then <laughs> he was like, and then what? And then I was like, um, <laughs> say you're at that weight. Uh, then I was like, then everybody will love me. Then everything's going to be great. I'm going to love myself. I'm going to be happy. Like everything's... And I realized the emptiness of the lies, but subconsciously I was holding on to that. So I think to to talk to someone and like try and follow the... the, Yes, and to get to the root of where the lie is planted. Definitely, and then to speak the truth of the gospel into that. And so here's the truth of the gospel. We, we know, and Kia referred to it, actually how gluttony caused this brokenness between mankind and God. And so we all live with fractured souls. And as a result, we all look for fulfillment in different ways. And, and gluttony is one of the expressions of those things. And so it, it feels to me like the gospel's got two places where it really... Um, just rescues us from the, the first is to say that man and jesus refers to it every other bread every other drink that you're going to do man this is never going to satisfy the only thing that we can really satisfy ourselves is if we if we come to christ if we look for our fulfillment in him he took the punishment all the iniquities that we had on himself on the cross and through the blood that's what eating my flesh and drinking my blood it's referring to communion as we remind ourselves that fulfillment exists within God the second part of it is and you're right pinky Paul writes a lot about this in Romans especially Romans 6 in Romans 6 Paul tells about people who think they are free because they're their own masters but Paul calls them slaves they are slaves to their desires and to their wants They cannot do anything else except what their desires tell them to do. Christians exchange that. We've now got a new master. Christ came and bought us free from the slave master. And now we are bonded to Christ, but that actually makes us free. And it makes us free to make different decisions. And so when we start talking about the counter virtue for gluttony, it is self-control. But it's not a self-control coming out of a legalistic sense that I've just got to work harder. It's a self-control where as you follow the lies and as you discover where some of these things actually took root, you can tell yourself, well, this isn't my, me anymore. This isn't my identity. This isn't where I get my affirmation. And this thing does not hold sway or control over me. Rather, I've got a new master in Christ Jesus. And the beauty about the gospel is, is that there's grace even when we fail. So family, there's, a, there's an initial change once we become a Christian. We've got a new master. However, 
The sin dwells within our flesh and in our bodies and we, it's like we old addicts and we return back to previous sins but the grace is anew every day and that grace encourages us to live self-disciplined, self-controlled lives. So, almost ending off and kind of rediscovering how that gospel is playing out in your lives. What, what, what are some of the practical applications? How can we apply this? In what ways can we apply the gospel and self-discipline and kind of allow that to speak into gluttony. Um, Maybe I can start off with an example. I think that's why a spiritual discipline like fasting exists. Fasting is one of those things where you actually deprive yourself from food to focus more on God, to make sure like, man, I want to make sure that this relationship, this is the only thing that I that I have and that I focus on. And so fasting is not a way and we actually bend God's arm to try to get something from Him. It's a way in which we communicate, man, I want to make sure that I'm not relying on these things, that I'm purely relying on my relationship with God. And so intermittently, and and not the intermittent fasting to lose weight, don't get me wrong, no, no. But intermittently actually denying or depriving yourself of some things to purely focus on God is a great thing to kind of just check where my heart's at. Every now and again, uh, personally for a year, just to tell everyone, even though this is a church, we sometimes enjoy drinks of a fermented nature. And there are times in the year where for a month or more, I would say, you know what, for now I'm going to give this up. Not because I have to, but I I just want to make sure. I want to make sure that this isn't something that I rely on. I want to maybe in those times that I feel like, man, a glass of red wine would have been good with this steak. But rather in that time saying, no, I want to make sure that Jesus is the one that I run to for my desire, for my fulfillment. Any other ways or practical applications that you guys have discovered? Um, I think building uh, maybe an accountable group with some people. That's so good. Yeah, maybe telling a friend, that um, every time when I eat, when I do this, wow. I'm online. So please check on this time if I'm online because if I'm online, it means I'm eating. <laughs> and That's good. Yeah, or I'm doing something. So be like maybe um, around these times is when I feel lonely the most. It's when I eat the most. Just come with me. Maybe let us spend it on God. Let us spend it on wow. reading the word. And yeah, so that's one of those. Man, that's trust to allow someone in that space. So we, you really need to get in close relationship with someone to allow them into that space. That's great. Other, other applications? Um, I think to get to that place where you can allow people, you must have done some self-inspection or what's the word? Introspection. Whew, English. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, when, you've, when you've, you've had a little bit of self-introspection, that's, that's how you get to that. And that takes time. Like we always think it's going to devote one hour today self-introspect but sometimes it takes longer Uh, but just sitting with that and the other thing that I've learned is on top of surrender right like once I've discovered what the things are um, doing the vulnerable step of accountability but also surrendering it to God daily Mm. for me it's a daily thing like eh, I need I need the grace today more than I needed it yesterday but I know I'll say this again tomorrow Um, and so having what are they called like verses life verses or something like that like that you memorize. I have like verses oh, yeah. that I know speak directly to the struggle when the going gets tough. Um, I know like I'm going to find those joy verses, those gratitude for all things verses. I practice gratitude like on the daily. I'm an advocate. I have a gratitude journal um, and I do that for me as part of realizing that like it is good now. 
Um, you don't need to get to that place. Like God has given you enough now. Um, prayer, reading the word. I call it my medication daily. I need medication daily. If I don't get medication, it's going to get ugly. Mm. Um, so like just making the practice of quiet time or reading the word. My, my DNA group keeps me accountable and that Melissa Correct. and them. Um, you know, so yeah, just a few of those things. It's very simple things I found. Um, and the last thing that I started doing recently is when I have a big decision to make or like I want to do something, the thing I choose is the alternative of the initial suggestion. So my brain will be like, yes, let's do it. If my brain says yes, I'm like, that's a no. Like, I just know. I'm mm. like, nope, I'm not going to trust you at first glance. Um, and so it's, it's just been e nice to have that, like, if my brain says yes, then it's a no. If my brain says no, then it's a yes. Um, so that's a me thing because of my own struggles. But just self-introspection got me to that. Isn't it great how our stories can encourage and motivate one another? So we need one another, not just so that people can help you, but you've actually got a job to do to help others. And so, I mean, look at what sin did with Adam and Eve. It created shame, and that shame separated them from one another and from God, and it isolated them. Once we're isolated, that's the space where we struggle to believe the truth, and it creeps in in subtle ways. And so, this isn't just a convenience for us to, we, we need this, like we need our daily bread, one another, and God actually wants to use you in that. Last word. Yeah, I found um, starting each day before you do anything else by re reminding myself, who am, who am I? Like, Great. I'm created by an almighty God. I'm free. I'm righteous. My sin has been placed on Jesus. His righteousness is mine. Like, like reminding myself who I am and that's how I want, from that space I want to live each day. And then also asking God, Father, can you give me what I need today? Please fill me with yourself and please help me to see food as a good gift that you've given me, a healthy thing to nourish my body so that I can carry the spirit around on earth. Um, and then in the moment as well, like when I'm feeling anxious or tired or whatever, when I have that urge to go and eat something, like to ask the Holy Spirit to in that moment go to Jesus instead and ask wow. me, Jesus, I need you, please help me now. Um, yeah. That's great. Family, thanks to our panelists. This was great. I'm going to pray for us. Two of them are going to shift over and we're going to end off in song. But let me pray for us this morning. Next week, we're going to be back and uh, we're going to do it normal style with the sermon again. But this was great and really informative. And the hope is that we would continue these discussions afterwards as well. Let me pray. Father God, you are good. You are holy. You are enough. You are enough. And yet we struggle. We, we, we definitely do run to these other things, not just for nourishment, but we run to them for fulfillment. We run to them for satisfaction, for comfort. And we have to admit that it is difficult to pray abstractly and to allow the Spirit over time to really sustain and, and fulfill us. But we do pray and we know that that's, the payoff is worth it. And so help us to live lives that are self-controlled, self-disciplined, empowered through the gospel and not in a legalistic sense to again just use it as a measure to be accepted through you. We thank you that the gospel not only empowers us, enables us, but gives us the grace every day to attempt this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.